welcome to Justice Losers, the most unqualified podcast exploring irrelevant questions about entertainment, namely movies, TV, and comics. I'm your host, Preston Joy, as always, by my delightful co-host, Batman. And also four other people. And it's, um, gang's all here. Gang's all here. Uh, I'll start going right to left for my right. Uh, we're joined by Matt's lovely fiance, Hannah. Hi, I'm Hannah. Happy to be here. We're joined by my <laughs> lovely girlfriend, Kaylin, who's been on an episode before. Hello, I'm Kaylin. Great. We're joined by our lovely editor, Gage. Hi, everyone. The man, the myth, the legend. And making her both episode debut and also mention debut, probably, Gage's wife, Catherine. I also am here and exist. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Now we talk about you. Uh, so this episode, <laughs> in our lives. this episode is going to be hectic and also... Uh, way different than normal. Uh, we're all currently in, uh, in a mountain in Montana. In a mountain. In a mountain. Uh, and we are flying back on the day we normally record and are going to be super tired, so we're just doing it here. We're sitting at a table surrounded, or surrounding Gage's computer, uh, which is recording. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're just going to talk about things that we're doing it's going to be like a big what you been up to episode with just everyone talking about things we're just gonna let the conversation flow no topic this week uh so yeah i think the where we can lead off mm -hmm. is a uh mutual what you been up to for everybody is the first episode of loki loki which we're gonna be a little late on it because the second episode's come out already <laughs> we <laughs> haven't seen it because we've been in a mountain on a mountain in a mountain in a mountain get your preposition straight so uh yeah first episode of loki Let's kick us off. I loved it. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Yes, it was good. So good. Let's what get did... some. Let's get some collective reactions here. Yeah. What do people? So you loved it, yes. Gage? I enjoyed it a lot. I'm really excited for the bunch of weird, timey wimey, crazy magic stuff. That... Wibbly wobbly. Well, yes. Did you say right. you were hoovian. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one of our what you've been up to. So we'll get to oh. that later. Call it. Um, I wish. I had watched Endgame more recently because I was very confused for a lot of the episode before the memories actually came back to me about how things happened. And by memories, you mean me and Nathan explaining yes, to you? that's what I mean. <laughs> but I liked it. I think it'll be very interesting. Um, honestly, I think it took a little bit to kind of dig into the episode, mm. um, but I'm excited to kind of see where it goes and i kind of like some of that trippy time work type stuff yeah like Gage was saying. i was very interested to kind of see what all they do with this show right i thought it was terrible and i think you're all stupid no <laughs> Dude, that was coming <laughs> oh i'm kidding i i thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm very intrigued to see where they go with this yeah I, they changed the universe and i'm glad they did yeah i i am immediately vastly impressed with the way they just like Right off the bat, well, not really, like, toward the end of the episode, handled just a very visceral commentary on the character of Loki. Mm -hmm. um, right. Like, kind of, because something that I was concerned going into this episode, or into the show in general, was that we saw Loki's redemption post-Avengers. And this is a just after Avengers Loki who has not had redemption yet. Mm -hmm. So are they going to do like a different redemption? And they kind of just like instant redeemed him. Like just having him like reflect on himself and say like, ah, oh, I am a flawed being. And like it's immediate redemption. So like I'm 
I'm kind of happy with how they did that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of did what they ended up doing with uh, White Vision in WandaVision. Mm. They just stuffed all his memories into his head, and now he's the original. Or is he? That's Theseus! Yeah. yeah. Anyway. What do you think about the rapid, like, watching him watch all of his, mem- his non-memories, like his the futures, and including him literally dying? I think that was probably, like, my favorite part, just because Tom Hiddleston is such a good actor. He's mm-hmm. not really, like, he doesn't need to do a lot besides just, like, very, very much, like, in his eyes and facial mm-hmm. expressions subtly changing to go from, like, like, is he impressed with himself? Is he, like, doubting himself and the sadness and then, like, the conclusion of, like, okay, I don't, I don't want to die. That's not what he wants to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So now he's here in this, like, new universe to him and, like... Yeah. What's going to happen next? Yeah. I love the, uh, just the, like, kind of psychotic laughing that happened when he watched himself die at the end. Oh, yeah. Like, he kind of, he snapped a little bit. I feel like, <laughs> yep. you know, if you just see like, yourself being brutally murdered, I feel like that's a pretty appropriate response. Yeah. Yep. Just like that weird mental break. That was great. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's partly existential for him, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, his the whole first half of the episode, he's like... I am a god. I'm going to be the god king of the universe. And then watching himself just get wiped out that easily, like, yeah. that changes, yeah. I think it was also interesting that when you kind of tell, when he realizes that there are, there could be this greater being when he sees, like, those infinity stones, I'm like, oh, people use these as paperweights. Like, <laughs> that was a great is, moment. He is in a place where infinity stones, which, as we've known so far, are just, like, these immense powers and then mm-hmm. that they're basically useless here. It's just him kind of realizing that and kind of seeing that in those gears turning in his mind yeah and like, whoa okay there's something going on here I yeah. thought that was really interesting yeah yeah the, the way i put it earlier this week and i really like this phrase so i'm bringing it back is loki meets god and god is a bureaucracy <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i mean he's chaos he's like it's it's so funny that they just I mean, so far, he has been, he and Thor have been kind of the tier two of mm-hmm. power in, like, because Thanos right. is, like, tier one. I got a, I got a, a confused glare from Kalen, which is why I'm clarifying. Thanos is, like, the tier one god, basically, because he beat Thor. Yep. And then there's Thor and Loki and, like, the Asgardians. And just to have him be, like, like, like Hannah said just among people who view infinity stones as paperweights just it 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 puts a character that we know personality wise in a completely different context to allow him to develop differently which i mean kind of was the and intent it almost mm-hmm. humbles him yeah. a little bit absolutely yep yeah, uh tom humbleston <laughs> i hated that so much <laughs> that was a stretch I'm so interested to see what happens next, though. Is he going to suddenly side with the TVA and help him fight himself? Or I could see a part of him almost teaming up with whatever this other version of himself is that they're Right, because, yeah, the end of the episode mm-hmm. was, hey, the bad guy we've been tracking is the bad you. Or <laughs> another you. When we you get just... to... Oh, go ahead. We could be looking like fools to the people who have already seen the second oh, that's episode true. <laughs> that's right true. now. Exactly. Because that question has probably been partially answered right. for the rest of the world. Welcome to the podcast where we constantly look like fools to everyone. Questions <laughs> are literally now irrelevant. Right, exactly. Yeah. Do you think okay. it's actually Loki? I think it's probably Loki from a different 
maybe earlier point in time mm-hmm. when he was a little more violent and had bigger aspirations, I guess. How do you think that happened? Because it would have to be a variant, which yep. means that he would have to do something time-related, mm-hmm. which maybe means... Maybe after the Rainbow Bridge, like in Thor, like when he falls off, maybe something mm-hmm. went different there because we never really saw exactly <gasps> what like Oh my god. That's true. The t- okay, uh, the time distortion in Ragnarok, where he's been at Sakaar for like a while... That might have something... To, I don't know what it's going to do, but that could have something mm-hmm. to do with it. He's yeah. been there for a while, but then Thor showed up. Like, they left the... Like, because the rainbow... Like you said, the rainbow bridge, yeah. the, the Bifrost, I guess, yep. distorts time. Um, I'll deal with it. <laughs> there's a there's a moth behind me, and Catherine is apparently deathly afraid of moths. So I'm just going to... Got it. Get off my... Oh! Ew. They do disintegrate! <laughs> oh, God! Oh! Oh, my God! They just, like... Powder. Ah. <laughs> well, that was exciting. Uh, so I got it. What's everyone think about Mothra? <laughs> I will jump, jumping back into Loki and his variation. I did already hear a spoiler about who the villain. No. no! Oh, Obviously, not gonna say it, but I will say I am extremely excited. Oh no. Well, it's not Kang the Conqueror, then, because I feel like you wouldn't know who Kang the Conqueror is. Oh, don't worry. I've done a lot. I've been listening to a lot of, um... Other entertainment podcasts? Is that what you're about to say? No. 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 (laughs) You're married to the editor of this podcast. Comic comic review of the Marvel stuff. And so, you know. You're on thin ice. Fluster. (laughs) <laughs> it is interesting to see if you think in Loki's shoes where you've just basically had revealed to you that you've never had any free will and <laughs> everything you've ever done is destined yeah. to happen it, it is interesting I can see him at, at this point it seems like in the TVA is the only place in the universe where you have free will, which is a little weird. That's something that I'm trying to figure out. That's because I mentioned that when we watched the episode, uh, is what, like if the, if the time Lord, no time. Yeah. Time, time keepers, time keepers, time yes. Lords is from Dr. Who, Dr. right? Who, yeah. God, yeah. there's going to be so, I, I feel like they're going to have a lot of Dr. Who references throughout the show, <laughs> Maybe, yeah. but if the timekeepers determine the timeline, then I feel like the TVA is also on a certain timeline that is making sure that the other time things are on track. Like, mm. it, I feel like it's... It, Hold on. What's with the robot voice? It's That's the voice I do when I start getting confused <laughs> at both my own thing, but also it's because something else is confusing. Um, time is a hard thing to do. In a sh- in, in general, in mm-hmm. creative sure. content, sure. And Marvel's just now kind of dipped into it. They did a little bit with Doctor Strange, and they did a, obviously a lot of it with Endgame, right? But they've kind of stayed on the the. They didn't go very spicy with it within game. They just said you have to go back and you have to put things exactly where they were. Mm-hmm. So basically, their explanation to time is. Oh, they just fixed it after the fact, so it, there was never deviation. And now we'll fix it in post. It's all meta commentary on editing. 
<laughs> the TVA is editors. Gage, okay, take that out. Uh, I mean, it's I'm I'm concerned that they're going to try to do something new. It's going to get caught up in its own web of confusing, wibbly wobbly, tiny wimey, if you will. Mm. Sure. I mean, I could see. I we know at least they're pretty much headed toward a multiverse mm-hmm. thing. So, you know, whatever happens, whether they break this timeline or not, I guess we know it's gonna get broken eventually anyway to create multiple different mm-hmm. realities. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it doesn't matter if they break the rules because it's all gonna be messed up later anyway. Yeah. So, do you think Loki will be the point that? actually breaks the timeline this he is the prime variance that just shatters the main timeline it seems possible he's the one you know one of the variants who hasn't been put back yet or reset or gotten rid of so he's like the first one that we know of that has the opportunity to break everything Mm -hmm. oh another thing that i noticed um when loki bails and goes to a certain goes to that planet like i think it was a desert Somewhere. I don't know if that was was Mongolia. It was a Mongolia. So he went to Mongolia and then they showed up and did something. He didn't see what the charge that they set did, but Loki kind of looked back and looked a little shocked. You think the TVA is just a bunch of Nazis and they're like murdering people who have seen (laughs) variations? I'm not even joking about this. Like, do you think that like they're horrific people and Loki's just like, I'm a little scared of them now? Maybe. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, they're. Depending how you look at it, they're murdering everybody who would have been on that alternate timeline. Because you do kind of see what happens in the little cartoon graphic, which was really fun, that they did to explain how everything worked at the beginning mm. with the little time person. I did yeah. love that. Um, very Schoolhouse Rock vibes. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Yeah. So they did put the little device on the cartoon path timeline, and it basically dissolved the variant path on yeah. the cartoon. So they're like eliminating that entire timeline from the looks of it i think they're gonna be bad guys i think i think I mean, the, there isn't I mean, wild theory here i think there's not a different variation of loki i think the tva is doing some gnarly shit and they're just gonna abuse loki and oh what if it is another version of loki but it's the future version of the loki we have as the main character in the show and he's fighting the tva because he's realized they're the bad guys Whoa. This is wildly impossible, and I don't believe it. But it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Huh. You think they'll have Chris Hemsworth show up? I bet so at some point. See, I'd agree with you, but we've had Wandavision like, and yeah, Wandavision uh, and Falcon and Winter Soldier, and they didn't have any cameos. Big cameos yet. True. We didn't have Rhodey in the first episode. That's true. Of Falcon and we Winter did Soldier. have a minor cameo. Yeah, so we know they exist, but I. I don't think they'll go much bigger than that. Yeah, I was going to say. But also, I feel like Loki is, a, in my opinion, a bigger character than Wanda, Vision, or Falcon, or Winter Soldier. Right. Because he's been well-established for right. way longer. So yeah. like, yeah. It's more worth Fans it. are more aware of who Loki is is right mm-hmm. so like i feel like if any of them were to have a bigger cameo yeah. it would be loki who played uh um drawing a blank on her name nicholas holt <laughs> <laughs> no uh freda who played freda uh, 
You think Freda might show up? Because there was a there was a strong moment. Freda's his mom, by the way. Yeah. In case you yeah. Don't know yeah. yeah. Uh, do you think that like because he had the big moment where he watched how he was responsible for her death? Mm-hmm. That's a setup for like a character moment later in the show where he sees her and goes, "Oh my God, the last I saw you, I was responsible for your death in somehow my future time." thing mm-hmm. and like kind of gives him a little bit more like i mean it, they've never shied away from the fact that loki loves his mom mm-hmm. or adopted mom they've addressed that several times and so having that get covered directly could pay off later do you think that freda might show because that's a minorish role that's even more minor yeah. than Rhodey. i can yeah. see that totally i mean they brought her back for endgame for Thor's little redemption. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say, they did kind of do that with Thor, mm-hmm. seeing her on the day she died. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to, like, compare to see how Loki would interact with her versus how Thor would interact with her. Yeah. Since they did do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Because Anthony Hopkins, I mean, could show up, but... I'm less sold on that because he saw through the entire thing, saw uh, his dad die, and then he went back to rewatch Freya. Yeah. And so I think I think that's if anything mm-hmm. that might be isn't it Freya? Freya? Oh Freya, Freya, yeah. Who's Freya? I've heard Freya. Oh, that's the Lord of the Rings. Frigga. Yeah, Frigga. I've heard. No, I think I so there are different always, ways to pronounce it. Yeah, I've always heard it as Freya. I think it also has to do with the fact that, I mean, Odin is also Woden, if you look at... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's Norse, Norse. Norse mythology. Yeah. That's where um, Wednesday comes But also, from. Freyda is actually definitely from Lord of the Rings. It's one of the kids that was sent to Helm's Deep <laughs> from one of the... Yeah. What are you most excited about this show? About in the... What are you most excited about in this show? Or in the future of the show? I want to see more crazy time gadgets. I think the collar... The time collar oh, was so yeah. much fun. That's really fun. And There's a lot of room to play with that. Yeah, they already did a bunch of fun shenanigans with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. I hope there's more just fun, weird stuff like that. Should we, should we take a brief yeah, play, break to, play break to satiate? Yeah. And end of break. Uh, you know, if we were famous, we could have snuck some commercials in there. That would be great. Yeah. Great. Uh, I had asked uh, what people were looking forward to, and Loki, Gage had made his comment. Does anyone have anything they want to say before we just move to the next segment? Because momentum is gone. <laughs> I guess I'm just inter- interested to see his like character arc and how it mm. kind of... Like the new arc. Yeah, because yeah. like, we know what's happened to him in all the previous Marvel movies and everything, but just kind of but see... But future for him. Yeah. Not previous. Okay. Previous, <laughs> sure. previous for us. Yes, but seeing kind of where... What all they do with his character. Yeah. So I'm just very intrigued by... It'd be really cool to watch him. that, yeah. Like, he he now knows that he is he's admitted, and he will be around a person that he has admitted that he is a weak person to. Like, because he literally admits, like... It, calls back to his own sentence that like fear is what weak people use to, or whatever that phrase was um and then also having watched his own redemption of him being a good person including sacrificing himself for the universe um unfortunately in vain <laughs> yep. um but yeah no i i agree it'd be cool to see that happens so what we're gonna
going to do now, real quick, before the end of the episode, since so it's not just a 20-minute episode, is each of us are just going to do a little watch a bonanza kind of thing. Like a thing that you'd, you've read or you watched or you've played or something, anything that you uh, either recommend that people check out or uh, do not recommend that they check out. Uh, so we'll just uh, we'll start with Catherine. Just throw you under the bus. Okay. Here we go. Anything okay. uh, Anything you want to... Yeah, I'm going to just plug a couple things. Um, I recently read an Agatha Christie novel. Then there were none. Um, really good. Really intense. Love Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. So always good to check that out. Is it... Okay, so I, I'll be honest. I don't read. I still don't know how to read, even though I've read four books. Is that where we're at? He's up to four. I'm up to... Well, I guess... Soon he's going to be so far, I can't count them. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm three and like... Point nine nine nine. I have two chapters left in that book that I'm staring at right now. Yeah. Um. So I don't read very often. What What is What does she write? Like I know I've heard her name. Like she's one of the names that I've heard a lot. What What is it? A mystery? Like a murder mystery? It is a murder mystery. Okay. It's a very well written murder mystery where basically ten people go to an island under false pretenses, and then it kind of follows this old nursery rhyme. That I am not going to repeat now because it's kind of culturally insensitive. It You've is. It. The Ten Little Indians. They, they did. Oh. It was originally called Ten Little Indians. They did change it to Ten Soldier Boys. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that it's a little bit more modern, a little more appropriate, a little less. Now it's about dicey. the draft and sending underage people to war. Yeah. A little better. Fine. Much better. <laughs> totally fine. And kind of one by one, they're picked off. And it's really crazy trying to figure out how it does it. Is that a trope or is that the original novel that it's like they go to like this spooky castle and there's like this eccentric host that like they're like, ah, there's a It's thing. not quite in that vein. It okay. is pretty clear from the beginning that like they were duped oh, okay. and that they're very suspicious of each other and that they understand that like the host isn't a real person. Mm. It's mm-hmm. the unknown Okay. And then at the very end of the book, it it goes through and like clarifies how it works and just going from even at the end of the book, I was like, "Well, wait, how does it happen? Everyone's dead now." Oh, spoiler. It's called Then There Were None. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or are they? <gasps> and then like getting that reveal it's insane. All Agatha Christie novels. I'm just going to say right away. Gage is also reading Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. Just started. Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, that's a that's a, that's a classic whodunit. Yeah, yeah. no. Every classic whodunit you've heard of is her. Yeah. Oh. She, at one point, was the second most published author in the English language behind the Bible. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And then her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she's she's great. I probably read a dozen of her books in high school. Um, and then There Were None was probably the one that most stuck out to me. All right. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed each and every one that I read. Hmm. Um, she, I don't know if she originated or just perfected it, but a lot of the tropes that we associate with murder mysteries and detective stories are from her. It's her. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So have you guys, Kaylin and Hannah, read Agatha Christie? I read And Then There Were None in School. I, think. Yeah. I don't think I've read anything by her. 
actually. We should do an audio book together. You wanted to do an audio book together. That's That'd true. be a good one to do. We mm-hmm. could do that, yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's our audio book. There you go. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I've also recently rewatched the crafting competition show, Making It. Which Making is it is amazing. Does it, does it have an exclamation point at the end? Absolutely. Okay, it does. good. And it's hosted by Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman from <gasps> Oh, Parks and Rec. oh. It is delightful. This sounds like so much fun. I like it already. It's so good. I've watched it, like an episode or two of it, and it's tough. Is it, it, I take it this is new, like a couple uh, seasons maybe? It has two seasons. They okay. had to stop for COVID. Oh. Season three is coming on June 24th. Oh, cool. So get excited. It's so good. It's so I wholesome will. and creative and fun. Is it, and it's just a craft thing, not food? It's not like a food one specifically? It's, no, it's like all types of crafting. They get, I think, ten? There's got to be a woodworking yeah. episode or two with Nick Offerman hosting. Uh-huh. They So a lot of the crafts aren't restricted to specific types of crafts. Like, here, make this out of paper. Oh. It's more like, here's a project and approach it how you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Create um, an elephant in a tire. <laughs> more like, create something sentimental for you in this bedroom like design this bedroom oh, using whatever you want and so that's like a judge them one. and say yours is not as sentimental as theirs and then that's mm-hmm. really you know cutthroat pretty much it doesn't sound as wholesome as you've made it out to be <laughs> <laughs> it actually is it is very wholesome i know you're kidding but like it's so nice <laughs> so so nice to see it's a so wholesome show. that the joke is not accepted <laughs> where like the crafters like when they're done, they will help the other people finish their crafts oh. and make sure they have everything they need to, like, do their very best. And, mm-hmm. like, a lot of people are like, I did this because I want the people at home to be like, I could totally do that, too. So now you can see and be inspired and oh. have love in your life. It makes me cry. All right. So sweet. It's really good. Gage. Um, so I have a couple of... I guess fun video games that I've played recently that I would highly recommend. Okay. Um, both were free for me on the PlayStation Plus mm. thing. I yep. recommend. Uh, the first... No, that's PC Master Race. Those are the elitists. Uh, I don't know these things. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here with your non-video game life. <laughs> See, uh, that's the real elitism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the first would be that I played was Subnautica. It's a survival sort of crafting exploration game um, in the vein of, say, Seven Days to Die. Oh, I love that game. Or Minecraft or something like that, except it has probably the the best fleshed out story of any survival game oh, I've played. Yeah, survival games like, rarely have an actually good story. Seven yeah. Days pretends to have a story, <laughs> yeah. but it's like a note you read at the beginning, and then it's basically, good luck! <laughs> exactly. There is an end to the game. Um, it's There's a really interesting like twist and sort of oh. mystery that you discover, um, how you ended up in the situation, and, and all the backstory, especially if you read all the flavor text. It's a it's one that is definitely worth reading all the flavor text in. Okay. Um, so yeah, super fun. Um, I think I played. I think the playtime I had on it was just about two days, forty-eight hours. So okay. get plenty. Um, yeah. Worth is that it. a game that you can do with multiple people? It is just a single-player game. Okay. That's the one downside, I guess. But if you're lonely, or upside then... if you're a loner. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Is it about scuba diving at all? Yes, you're. Hannah, you might want to play it. There you go. <laughs> got the game for you. <laughs> so yeah, how did, like, what, how does it work? 
Yeah, so the premise, you your spaceship crash lands on this alien ocean planet. Okay. Um, as you go through, you land alone in a life pod that's not floating on the ocean. And you basically need to find resources um, to survive in the ocean and then potentially make your way Home? off of the planet. Yeah, oh. that's, that's the ultimate mm-hmm. goal. Um, and you do that. Uh, you can you know, explore the big crashed ship eventually. Mm-hmm. You can eventually build like submarines and little vehicles to explore deeper and deeper into the oceans. See some really creepy uh giant monsters uh what's that fear of like the the deep ocean there's like an actual fear of like things that are in the water like mm. rational deep. human brain <laughs> function <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i will say that's one thing they do really well is um building tension in mm. a game and i've watched a video or a youtube video or two explaining kind of why it's so good at it but it's mm-hmm. the combination of just the unknown um the soundtrack is fantastic mm-hmm. it's one of those where you could seriously go through and just listen to it and it's awesome um and they do a great job of just creating tension and fear the whole time because they don't give you a ton of opportunities to defend yourself super well mm-hmm. which always makes things more scary yep. yeah um they give you you eventually get you know more opportunities to maybe avoid the big giant predators yeah. um but if you die what happens if you die you it's not too bad you you lose some resources you reset to your okay. pod um so yeah death in the game isn't too bad it's actually f- relatively rare hmm. for how terrifying the game is <laughs> um they do more with the suspense and the building of the tension than they do with actually outright murdering gotcha at the end that's good um, it's cool too all the different sea creatures and monsters actually have their own personalities and kind of behave like sea creatures Hmm. like they have different ways that they hunt and different ways that they can be avoided or utilized so it's it's really immersive cool i definitely have to check that out (laughs) (laughs) Um, so definitely worth it the other one i would say uh is a completely different uh genre I would recommend Hollow Knight. It's a platformer. Oh, yeah. It's very... Also great soundtrack to that one, too, actually. Um, But it's very just, like, somber. Also has interesting lore. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of those where it it is very challenging. There are some sections that are, like, really pretty darn difficult to get through. But are also very satisfying to complete when you do, you know, mm-hmm. get through the challenging bits as any game should be, I guess. Yeah. That's um, kind of, that's always my experience with video games, which I've barely played any, but like you run up against the challenge and you just beat your head against it until you figure out the particular solution. I'm just bonking everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And that's always, that's the fun part for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, a lot of, Modern video games just haven't seemed to hold much appeal for me because it's just like watching over other people's shoulders, and it seems like there's a lot of hand holding or yeah, um, just yeah. It, it's yeah. There's a problem with that with modern video games of like the it, um, like for Assassin's Creed for a very specific example is 
it was built early on as you have to do this stealthily. And, like, if you don't do it stealthily, you lose. Like, you, mm-hmm. so you have to be careful. You have to sit there and watch and, like, watch the guards move and stuff like that. But in yep. later games, they're like, oh, let's just make combat easier and then make stealth optional. Because right. people aren't enjoying it as much because it's difficult or something. Right. And that kind of killed the joy for me of Assassin's Creed. Because in later games, they're like, well, except for Valhalla. They're like, they they give you the opportunity. Right. Yeah. It's really good. And I love that you could feel the progression in it. Mm. Um, occasionally, they do this great thing where every, like, save point, um, it's it's like an open map. So you can explore and revisit places you've seen and whatnot. Um, but every save point is just a bench that's mm. usually hidden somewhere throughout the map. Um, and so it does give you this nice opportunity to just, like, you sit on the bench. And you can sit there for as long as you want. And you can kind of, like, Aww. decompress and appreciate the sounds. And, the, mm. and there are a couple moments in there that are, like, really just peaceful and, yeah. and nice. Um, but, yeah, as you progress, there are points where I've actively noticed, like, oh, yeah, remember when this area was really difficult for me mm-hmm. and then you've unlocked a new a new ability or you are a little bit stronger than you were before and you f- you can really feel how you've progressed mm-hmm. through the course of the game and then they do some things where you know places where you expect to be not so difficult they've added a twist where it's yeah. you know suddenly challenging again and um but yeah it's got that great sense of progression that makes such a great game because everything is so mm-hmm. satisfying when you get to put a lot of good things about hollow knight very good yeah all right. So, yeah. Cool. Kaylin. I have been traveling and moving and doing a lot. So I have not had a lot of time to sit down and enjoy entertainment media. Namely movies, TVs, and comics. That it, none of those things. Um, <laughs> but I have gotten opportunities to read on planes and in cars, etc., Um, so I've recently finished a couple of books. I just finished on this trip, The Hiding Place. Oh, you finished it. I did finish it. Um, it was not my favorite personally, but that's just because I don't really like nonfiction books and it was nonfiction. It was like the story that a lady wrote about her experience. She was a Christian in the Holocaust, but she was hiding Jews and then she got caught and went to a concentration camp for it and she basically attributes like her survival and the fact that she was able to be happy again after all that to like god and so if you like inspirational christian books that's a good one like i said i just don't really like nonfiction, so the story wasn't that entertaining to me yeah. but it is interesting and then i also just finished where the crawdads sing and i would very much recommend that book it was hard to get into at first but then once I got into it, it was really interesting. And so what's, that, what's that one about? Um, so basically it's about a little girl that like grows up in the swamp, like outside oh. of a town in a swamp with mm-hmm. like minimal family. Like it kind of goes through all of the family dynamics and all of that stuff. But it's like kind of it's one of those books that goes like from the past to the present like it alternates like uh, there's this happening in the present and then it goes and tells her backstory and then mm. goes back to the present and um so basically in the present there's like a murder mystery going on oh 
Um, and like she's kind of the suspect is the reason that that's that she's relevant. And then in the past, it goes to her growing committing up. the murder. <laughs> no, it goes like Spoilers. all the way back to her childhood, and then eventually, obviously, like they intersect, and it goes through. Yeah. Like, like all of the thematical connections between like yeah. Present and past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's definitely very interesting. It also part of the reason it took me a while to get into it is because like. They definitely have, like, swamp accents, like, kind of, like, Cajun accents, and it was kind of hard for me to, like, read that and hear it in Mm -hmm. my head, but once I got used to it, it was fine, so it was definitely a very interesting read, kind of makes you ponder about the way we treat people that are not like us, because there's a Mm. lot of those themes in it, but I would definitely recommend it. Okay. So I also have not had much time to get into like new movies or TV shows or anything like that. Um, but on this trip, I did start and finish Cannery Row by John Steinbeck. Um, Getting us some literature up in here. Yeah. Capital um, literature L. With the, I was literally just about to <laughs> <laughs> um, It's very much slice of life, these, this small community kind of. On the coast of California and like the Monterey Bay area, I guess. Um, feels like it takes place in like a bit of an earlier time period. Life's, it's kind of their simple lives. Um, some stuff happens. There's not a whole lot plot wise, but it's just more, I think, the, the different people in the community, their roles in the community, and how they're seen by others, and just kind of how the actions people what actions people make just kind of impact the community. Yeah. Um, it's a very quick read. I think I read it in like maybe two days and that's just not, not sitting down and doing nothing but reading. I was just picking it up here and there. Yeah. Uh, it definitely feels like one that would be read in like a high school English class. Like you could, I feel like you could sit down and if you're looking for the themes or like parallels between the people in the community, mm-hmm. like you could mm-hmm. sit down and you could really, kind of dig into it that way me like it'd probably be if i were to read it again i might be able to pick up on more things if that's what i'm looking for yeah um so that's just kind of the vibe of that one all right sounds good cool slice life is always good yeah break up the monotony of well i guess not monotony (laughs) monotony of plot (laughs) 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 it's just nice to have like a a little break yeah it, it definitely was just Almost felt like a bit of a mental break as far as reading goes. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. kind of, you're just kind of along for the ride a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've said in the past you really like those kinds of movies. I do like like movies that are Manchester by the Sea. Have you seen Patterson yet? No. We do need to see Patterson. Gotta watch Patterson. But Lady Bird is also similar. I like that Sort of that. It's a little bit more coming of age, but it is very very much that flavor. Yeah. Just incidents. Matt! Me! You! Preston! What have you been doing? Reading. Cool, my turn. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, let's see. So on this trip, I read two and a half books so far. Um, I read Darkness at Noon by Arthur Kostler. That was actually a reread. I'd read that probably in high school at some point, not for a class. Um, dude, in a isolation. I circuit. like that subtle, like, just snooty comment. They're like, <laughs> I read in high school. Not for a class. <laughs> I read it because I wanted to read it. It's probably not something that would normally be taught in a class, I guess. Like, 
so I've been on kind of a, a Soviet kick over the past couple of years. Oh, um, good. I read uh, Hope Against Hope, which is memoir of a um, the wife of Osip Mandelstam, who was a poet who was exiled um, and then eventually killed by the Soviet authorities in the 30s. Um, I read Testimony, which is allegedly the memoirs of Soviet composer Dmitry Shostakovich. Yeah, you read that a while ago. I've, I read that every couple of years. Okay. That might be my favorite book. Huh. Um, really interesting story behind that. But you are such a here. nerd. It's really good. Go back and listen to that episode that he talked about. He talked about it like a year and a half ago. Probably. A while ago. Um, let's see. I read uh, The Gulag Archipelago um, and Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, which I did read in school. But then I reread it recently. Some people might have read that. Maybe. Back me up here. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I know a lot of people that did have to read it in high school. Well, um, not us. Got to read it in high school. Let me say it's a great book. It's a really great. But um, that's all about like the Soviet prison system. Um, and then I read this one, which is dude is isolated in a Soviet prison. Um, he communicates with his people next door by tapping on the walls, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's uh, sort of just a meditation on what the imprisonment does to him, and the um, and then the kind of the last third of the book is more just him being interrogated and broken down and trying to be the interrogator's trying to force him to uh, admit to crimes he didn't commit. Huh. Um, and it's a great look inside not just the mechanics of the sort of the Soviet imprisonment and. Um, uh, where they approached things logistically, but sort of philosophically um, where that breakdown kind of happened, where the, the sort of the Soviet ideal fell short and how that started destroying people's lives. Oh, whoa. Sounds like a smart book. It's a good yep. book. It's a good book. Not for me. Me dumb. Hi, dumb. Me, Matt. And then I read The Fisherman by John Langan. I figured that was appropriate given that we're in Montana and there's fishermen about. Um, that was a weird one. It's kind of Stephen King-ish. Um, I actually got very strong Stephen King vibes from it, although I think his handling of prose is generally a little bit better than King. Um, not to disrespect That's Stephen King. That's handling of cons. You know, I think you really struggled there. Mm. Yeah. Um... I just gave myself a really big eye roll, but also everyone else rolled their eyes at me. Uh, So The Fisherman, um, it's about a guy uh, whose wife dies not long after they're married of cancer. Um, and He's kind of bereaved and he takes up fishing um, to sort of, you know, cope with it and just have something to do and keep himself busy. Um, And he he fishes for a while and he um, acquires a friend who... uh, also, he brings into a fish with him who also lost his, his wife and his kids. Um, it's all about like loss and bereavement and grief and um, and the desperate hope that maybe your loved ones will come back from the dead as horrifying fish people and try to eat you, but maybe it's okay because they're really your secretly loved ones. Oh! oh. <laughs> yeah. So the structure is really weird. It's like three chapters of just this present day. I don't know if it's probably more than three chapters, but a very small chunk of just kind of set up here are the characters and then like the middle half of the book is um backstory it's all just explaining okay there's this weird like lovecraftian stuff going on in the background here there's this just the rules of the universe are are much more complicated than they seem 
Um, the world is thinner here. Quiet, Bailey. I'm trying to make a point here. There's a dog outside. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> um, and so then it, it goes through like the backstory of all these events that explain sort of, at least you sort of start to feel around the edge of what the, the monstrous, horrifying things are going on in the background. Um, and then the last quarter or so of the book comes back to the present day and it's him and his friend encountering this horrifying under reality good Sounds under reality kind of awesome actually yeah. what was the yeah. title of that one again the fisherman the fisherman, the fisherman. yeah um yeah i enjoyed it it's not really By my primus sp- people will get that will people they? will get that trust me people did you get that leave a comment only if his name is John. <laughs> I'm really lost right now. Just, just move on. Someone anyway, will get it. Uh, the Fisherman. Um, yeah, it's a, it was it's a quick read. It's about 250 pages. There are now multiple dogs outside, so this we is... gotta wrap this up, or it's gonna start getting. Let's see. Um, and then I have begun. Um, I'm only about halfway through uh, the Oxbow Incident, um, which I saw the movie a long time ago, um, and I really liked the movie. But I hadn't read the book, and so I got into, I started that. I'm enjoying that. He, it's kind of overwrought. The dude takes a lot. Like it's, it feels like it's written in real time. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, um, the start of the book is early afternoon. I'm 150 pages in, and it's sundownish on that huh. same day, <laughs> and it's all just from one character's perspective. Hmm. Um, basically, the, it's a western. It's kind of an anti-western, but it's a. Um, the premise is there's a couple of cowboys and they come into town uh, and then they discover that uh, there's been some cattle rustling going on. And then a kid comes riding into town in a hurry and he says, they shot Kincaid, who's a ranch hand on one of the outer ranches outside this town. Um, and the rustlers did it. And so it's like this lynch mob gets together to go track down the rustlers and kill them. But like, is it justice or is it just lawless mob violence? Find out 250 pages later. All right. So I know what happens because I've seen the movie, but mm. I'm digging it so far because it, it reads very much like a Western, like a Zane Grey, Lou of the War, just classic Western cowboys and shoot yeah. up kind of stuff. But um, it sort of attacks the themes in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like the, the kind of those anti-Westerns that hold up the genre and they're like, but what about if we look at it from this side? Are we sure we're okay with all this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's good. It's good stuff. All right. Very cool. Uh, I have done very little. Uh, same as Kalen, I've been moving and traveling, and I launched a company, so I've done very little, like, watching anything. Um, the first one I'll say, I think I'm close enough to finishing Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy that I think I can speak to it. Um, Bold words. I have three chapters left. Uh, and they're relatively, uh, two of them are short chapters. One of them is a really long chapter. Um, basically all but the actual per the mole has been revealed. Like, mm. um, it's you're it, the way the book is constructed is the main character is told that there is a mole in, it, it's a spy novel. So there's a mole in the British intelligence unit. Right at the top of the circus. Um, uh, at the circus and uh is basically told to figure it out um and so what he kind of does is it's it kind of flops between like flip flops between 
him just pouring over files and stuff and then also remembering his own experiences and then going to meet people and talking about them with their experiences. Um, and it slowly, it, it doesn't allow you to piece together who the mole is. Um, because it, it tells you context over the course of the book. Um, kind of how things have gone wrong. It kind of, it, 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 it tells you the context of how the mole got there mm-hmm. rather than people telling you, giving you clues as to who the mole is. And I just read the chapter where he basically lines it out, like walks through the entire, it's like, let's talk hypothetically. He's talking to a guy who's like one of the main suspects and is like, let's, let's do a hypothetical and lines out the entire thing. It's like, let's say there's this person that does this certain thing with a certain way. And uh, yeah. What do you think about that bucko? And the guy's like reactions tell you a lot about like kind of how he knows. And I think the next chapter is going to be talking to another person who's like a main suspect and you'll get a lot more like kind of context of that. Cause mm-hmm. this last chapter is really starting to kind of point to one person, like one or two person persons. Um, and I feel like the next chapter or the chapter right after that is going to be the one that like lands it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, like the resolution chapter where it's like, ah, I'm going to go sit on the beach and look at the sunset because I did it. Like that kind of thing. That's the sort of thing. Because it was like two pages, I think, is the last chapter. (laughs) Um, But I think I I would enjoy it more if I didn't know who the the mole was. Yeah. Because I didn't know who the mole was until I was like looking at other – like I was curious because I knew that this is the first book of what's called the Carla Trilogy Mm. because the mole works for – this one Russian guy named Carl, like that goes by Carla. Right. And so it kind of, there's like three books that follow the main character trying to figure all that out. And so I was like, Oh, what are the other books? And I go to the next book and it says, after he discovers that blank is the mole, I'm like, well, (laughs) all right. (laughs) I've seen the movie though. I've seen the movie, but like I've said before, I think on the, even on the podcast, I've seen the movie three times because it's not a movie I casually sit down to watch. That's true. I love the movie, but it's also three hours long and a bit of a, like, is it, I think it's two and a half, three hours. It's, it's not a short one. It's like two and change. Is it? No. Well, it's also not one that you casually watch. No, that's true. It's, it's, it's very dense. Um, so I never just sit down casually watch it. So like, I, it's, it's a special occasion to watch it. So I don't re- ever remember who the mole is. Uh, I just remember that the, the conclusion is satisfying. Right. Um, but having started reading the book, yep. I would then go and like look at like who played what character so that it can be like in my mind of like what they yep. look like. So seeing um, uh, Colin Firth, Colin Firth, and obviously George Smiley is uh, Gary Oldman. Like all yep. the, all the characters kind of played that in there. So when I saw the the character and I knew immediately who the actor was. And I was like, well, that spoiled it. I knew the entire book who who it was. So yeah. it kind of like it removed a little bit of the mystery, but it was still kind of cool to see the writing of how George Smiley, the main character, manipulates people into mm-hmm. telling him certain information and seeing how he interprets certain words and uh, following uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character. His He's kind of new in it, and there's one – uh, the, there's a, uh, a chapter and scene where he breaks into like the main where the hard copy of all the files and stuff are 
and just the tension that I felt while reading that chapter mm-hmm. was really satisfying. Um, so like watching it kind of all come together in the way that he has it, that Lacar has it written is really cool. And I'm actually excited to wrap it up tomorrow. Uh, so I recommend it to people. I'm excited to read the next one because I have no idea what the next one's about at all. Me neither. Um, so, and I have that one. So I think I'm going to jump straight into the next one, uh, even though I have the rest of the Dune trilogy. <clears throat> so I will read those eventually, but I'm excited to see how this wraps up. Um, so yeah, recommend that to people who are, um, I think the main problem I have with it uh, is, I never finish a thought. Uh, the main problem I have with it is that like, depending on who he's talking to, the writing can kind of change to that person's speaking style. And if the person's speaking style is really weird and like Cockney and like British slang and stuff, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. What does this word mean? (laughs) Um, So I just kind of have to hold on for dear life. Um, So I I think that, and just apparently things that are different in British grammar in the eighties than American grammar in the 2010s, 2020s kind of, like a bit of a translation issue. Um, so there's a few things that just don't really click with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think once, if you're able to get past that, then you're totally fine. I'm, I've gotten sort of used to it in the later half of the book. Uh, but the other book, I've not read this. I just want to let the audience experience this thing we discovered at this cabin. <laughs> it's a book that was written in... I think it was 1967. Yeah. Kalen called the 60s and then we found the public. Yep, 1967. Called The Space Eagle, Operation Doomsday by very man name because it's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, where'd it go? Jack Pearl. Jack Pearl. Um, don't really know what it's about. It's like a main character that I guess gets put in charge of uh, a space a space uh force i guess a phoenix force you might say (laughs) uh i'm just gonna read the last page the space eagle saved humanity a wonderful triumph over the forces of evil the whole world is in your debt paul i couldn't have accomplished it without the aid of addison muta he gave his life to foil his father's plans yes he was a brave and honorable man paul sighed i don't mind telling you mr president i wouldn't want another mission as tough as this one the president's eyes twinkled. Don't count on it, my boy. I have a hunch that the space eagle will be spreading its wings again very, very soon. Paul took a deep breath and squared his broad shoulders. That's the end of the book. It's just... It's it, so good. I, it, I, I don't know. Hopefully, R.E.M. will be making a uh, really, really shitty adaptation of this. Yep. Yeah. It's got all the... Just... Cheap Cold War machismo. Yep. There's a lot of, like, points in here where the main character and his sister are weirdly close. Um, there's, yep. a, there's a line which is like, uh, uh, hey, big brother, and I mean big brother. It's like, uh, it's, it's uncomfy. Uh, and also very, very sexist. And there's uncomfortably a, patriotic. And it? uncomfortably patriotic. Yeah. Uh, we found that they have, like, a, he wrote the, uh, a, a new uh, the space eagle pledge to america we we're hoping it would be better than it was it was literally just kind of combining the um is that preamble no the declaration of independence with right. the actual pledge of allegiance but that's a fun thing if you want to check out a weird book it's like a 212 pages but i mean looking at the font size it's actually more like maybe a solid 
87 pages? Yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely supposed to be, like, or the young adult fiction of the time. Yeah. So, uh, that's a thing. But, uh, other than that, I think we're all tired of talking. I'm getting exhausted looks from people <laughs> around the table. So, uh, let's just go ahead and shoust we. We shoust. I can actually do it for real. This is so delightful. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Podbean. And I think I missed one, but I'm not sure at this point. I'm not going to go back and check. Uh, we're on social media. If you've actually read the Space Eagle Operation Doomsday, I would love to hear all about it. You can let us know that at Facebook, where we sometimes exist. Kind of rare at this point. But really rare at this point. We, we, we do exist there. We'll, if you tell us something on Facebook, we'll see it. Uh, we're on Twitter, at JustUsLosersPod. Um, where if you have a 140 character review of the Space Eagle Operation Doomsday, love to hear it, hear it, hear it there. Yeah. Uh, we're on Instagram at Just Us Losers Pod. Same same tag there. Uh, maybe we can post a picture of the Space Eagle Operation Doomsday. Our editor just took a picture of it, so it's probably going to end up on there. So good lad. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. We have a Gmail, JustUsLosersPod at gmail.com, where if you want to send us a five-paragraph essay reviewing the role that the Space Eagle Operation Doomsday played in American anti-communist propaganda in the 1960s, I'd love to hear all about it. Uh, again, that's JustUsLosersPod at gmail.com. Uh, we have YouTube, where we do little short video versions. There's not going to be a video version of this one. It's going to yeah, be well, a sort of a video version. Yeah. You'll it's see. the audio version with slides of our vacation. It'll be a nice little vacation <laughs> slideshow for you. It'll be fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll have fun. It'll be a good time. Uh, anyway, do we know what we're talking about next week? Yet? Not at all. Okay. We don't know what we're talking about next week, so it might end Well, up... next week is going to be a What You've Been Up To. It's going to be a uh, Just right. Us episode. Right. But the following week... following week might end up being villains and their various motivations. Yeah, maybe that. If you can't think of something better. Yeah. If you think of something better, let us know at one or many of those social media platforms. Or Carrier Pigeon. We do accept those now. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 This is me just slamming a, a, a can on the table. <laughs>